the Hawks, quick bulls lament, and then and with the girls volleyball. So, sounds good, my friend. Yeah. And welcome to Chicago Plus the Points. I am your host, Michael Vale. I am with my co-host and uh, probably my brother, Matthew Vale. Um, Thanks for including probably in there. Uh, we're pretty sure. No, no DNA test, but I mean, <laughs> I don't think. Well, you're you're a few inches taller than me. Uh, you're a lot hairier than me, and uh, and uh, I, you're just you're just a different build. I, I don't know. Like I don't. We could definitely pass. You got the Bohannish jeans, and I got the Casanova jeans. But let me put this way: we could pass as not brothers. Like, like, if, like, obviously this is a po- audio podcast, but like, if, if people were looking at the zoom right now, they'd go, yeah. Like I, if I had to bet, if I had to flip a coin, they'd, they'd bet on the not brothers, uh, on the not brothers line. <laughs> they would take the plus the points and plus the points. And that's Absolutely. why we're plus the points. <laughs> that is why, that is why we're plus. There's a lot of reasons why we're plus, plus the points. Uh, the main reason we're plus the points is because we we we're a bit of a sports betting show. We have to be because our most of our Chicago teams are in the dumpster fire right now. Not sure where you want to start. Uh, well, let's start with um, one of Michael's big passions in horse racing. Um, we've alluded to it a couple times in this podcast, but uh, Michael ho- uh, is a co-host in his own uh, for the Gate Wire. Uh, podcast for yes yes and, I, and i'm gonna try for next week i'm gonna try to get on a guest where we can talk uh where we can talk kentucky derby uh for those that oh, don't right know, for yeah for those that don't know kentucky derby is uh it's the best it's the best two minutes in sports it's awesome uh it's may 1st uh so next saturday so and it is in most years a party with a horse race coming around it and, and this- i i think w- with with the guests coming like we don't want to spoil too much but I, I thought one cool thing you could touch on is, um, did you want to talk about um, your, it, for sure, your horse in, in your article, your uh, 50 to one, uh, yeah. uh, as, as Catherine calls it, your, your glue stick horse. My glue stick and, horse. And, and then maybe one other either tidbit or comment on the favorite or just the field in general. Sure, no, sure. No, no, uh, no problem there. So look, this is, this is a weird derby because typically, um, so the, in the last five years, the favorites won three out of the last five. And, uh, the, and by the way, and of in the, one of the years where the favorite didn't win, the favorite crossed the wire first, but got disqualified. Okay. And that was maximum security, uh, two years ago. And last year where it was an eight to one shot, um, that was like the third pick and, uh, was a Bob Baffert horse, easy horse to get to. So the point is the Derby in years past has been a long shot race. I mean, it's 20 horses in the gate anything could happen. You're bumping it. You're bumping in like crazy in that first furlong. And it's a mile and a quarter race for a bunch of three-year-olds that have never gone a mile and a quarter. Like think about like, if you guys ever run a mile and a quarter, just like as a human, that's a long, that's a long race. That's a long way. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, well, think about it. Like maybe not since eighth grade, like, like set out to only run a mile. Seriously. So imagine running a mile. I did run 18 miles in the marathon, but well, let me put it this way. I think I believe the human record mile is just under four minutes. It's three forty something. Is that Usain Bolt or? No, no, no. Usain Bolt's a sprinter. He's hundred hundred yeah. meter dash. So the the mile the mile is like a middle distance for a human. He sprints marathons. Sprints marathon. <laughs> so the, the, well, the that's the thing for a horse. A sprint is uh, six eighths of a mile or lower. Um, but for a human, a, a mile is about a middle distance, right? And a mile and a quarter for a human that's middle distance to almost long distance. Right. 
for a horse that's long distance. Um, but let me put this way. A, a human can run a mile, the, like the greatest humans in the world in just under four minutes. Okay. The world record for uh, the Derby, which is a mile and a quarter is secretariat. He ran it uh, uh, a minute 58. Was, was that the one where he beat everybody by literally they weren't even in like the frame for like five no, seconds? No, no. So that's the Belmont. Okay. So, so secretariat wins the triple crown. Um, uh, he only wins the Derby by about three lengths. If, oh, I, if I'm remembering okay. correctly. Well, and in fact, I take that back. He doesn't win it by three lengths. It's, it's maybe a length to a length and a half because it's not a photo finish, but like it, it's a tie. It was a tight race. Well, here's the only reason I say that. Okay. The two fastest derbies of all time are secretariat who ran it. I, and again, it's like a minute 58 or a minute 59. It's, it's, it's under two minutes. That's incredible. Okay. This, you know, the second uh, fastest derby of all time is this horse named sham. You know what year he who, raced? Who lost to Secretariat that year? Yeah. 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 Second but, fastest derby of all time is the second place to Secretariat. That's still insane to think about that that horse would be lapping the fastest man alive. Yeah. Again, fastest man alive for a mile. And again, I don't know what the record is for a mile and a quarter. I know the human record for a mile is, is just under four minutes. I just don't know the exact time. In fact, my wife, my wife's brother is a huge uh, track guy, so I probably should know that. Huh. Um but that's my only point. These horses are booking it, okay, for a mile and a quarter. And it, it's a tough race. It's an awesome race. And there's 20 horses in the field. And, and literally anything can happen. I mean, that, and that's the thing. is like Secretariat's worst race of the Triple Crown was the Derby. He's, he's the only horse to run each quarter of the Derby faster than the last. His slowest quarter of the race was his first quarter. Think about that. That's he very ran, impressive. He ran a mile. And his last quarter of a mile was faster than his, than his first quarter. Isn't that crazy? Well, and that's why me being not a horse racing guy, I, I know the story of Secretariat. No, look, Secretariat. I know the name of Secretariat. He's the GOAT, greatest athlete of all time, as many people know. Um, but uh, look, this year's Derby's not like that. There is no Secretariat. There is no American Pharaoh. There is no uh, uh, Justify. This is a wide open race. It really is. Um, the favorite's going to go around three to one, if that gives anybody any perspective, right? Uh, Secretariat and his derby, I believe, was just above even money. He, I think he was, he was right around even money. I, I don't know the exact odds because it was in the 70s. But your favorite in this race is going to be a horse named Essential Quality, and he's going to go somewhere between two and a half to, to four to one, somewhere in there. Okay. He's uh, trained by Brad Cox, awesome trainer, but who's actually never won the derby, so it's pretty exciting. He's also a gray horse, and like anytime a, you get a gray horse that's a favorite in the Derby, that's, that's looking good. pretty good. Yeah, I mean it's cool because like you don't get a lot of like that silver gray. wind coming down the coming oh, down the stretch. It's the absolute best. Um, so anybody who knows me knows I'm terrible at picking the Derby. I'm actually very good at picking the Derby undercard. So again, that nobody that uh, for anybody that doesn't know horse racing on Kentucky Derby Day, there's actually 14 races. Okay, the 12th of the 14 races is the Kentucky Derby. That's the most be the most deflating thing to be the two races after. Oh, well, it's funny because they talk to so the announcers that announce the race talk about that all the time. They go, it's imagine being on Mount Olympus and then and then having to uh, climb like two tiny ass mountains afterwards. <laughs> it, like it's insane. It's insane. So but but it but there are there are 14 races. The 12th race is always the derby. And I'm assuming they've been doing that for 125 years and that's just how it is. Well, it's one of those things. It's how it is. Uh, the derby's actually changed a, a quite a bit over the years. It's been run at different distances, but it's been run at a mile and a quarter for for a long time. Um, 
and it's been run at Churchill Downs almost, uh, I believe since its inception. So uh, it's, it's, it's the, it's the biggest race in the entire world. And I, and it's funny, Matt, because, and we could just make this a Kentucky Derby show. I, f- I feel bad, but. Um, no, no, I, honestly, it interests me. I'm, I am not a. Well, the weird thing about the guy. Kentucky Derby, it's not even the biggest purse in the world. Like it's not even close. Like the winner of the Kentucky Derby gets like. Is it the, is it the Saudi cup? Saudi cup, $20 million race. Ah, okay. I knew it. You, you did. I'm proud of you. So there's the Saudi Cup, which is twenty million dollars. There's the um, actually the Dubai World Cup. It's funny, like the Middle East does the the biggest race. <laughs> they got the money. Yeah, they do. They sure. Yeah. They what, do. what about in the the US? Is I'm, I'm assuming Breeders Cups probably up there. Yeah, Breeders Cups five million dollars. Um, the uh, uh, it used to be Pegasus World Cup, which is uh, held in Florida at Gulfstream Park. Uh, at its inception, it was at nine million dollars, and they've kept lowering it for the year. And now it's like three million dollars. I believe, and I'll look up, and I should know the Derby this second. It, the Derby, I believe, is three million dollars this year. It's two, it's two or three million dollars. My only point is, it is not, it's not close to the. There's plenty of races in Europe and in and uh, and in um, uh, in the Middle East that are much higher purses. But for whatever reason, the Derby is it's one of the it's the biggest race in the world. It really is. Well, it's it's surprising that the Derby because I don't think a, a lot of non-horse racing fans, myself included, wouldn't. Never thought that the um, it was ra- that the Kentucky Derby was raced anywhere other than Churchill Downs. No, um, and the, yeah, and it, it's funny because the other thing about the Derby that non-racing fans don't understand is like the best horses in the world are not in the Derby because the Derby is it's three-year-old horses. So horses start racing at two years old. Those are kind of your high school basketball players. The Derby, think of Derby as this is March Madness. Okay, this is your college-level basketball players that are really, really good, but they're not in the pros yet. Your best horses are four and five years old. No, no question about it. And, and where do the, these horses usually like race at? So it's so like, where are you seeing your, your peak play? So, at, so actually most? you're, you're going to see a couple of those horses in the undercard on Derby day. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, oh yeah. So, so there's different divisions in horse racing. They, they separate it by year. They separate it by sex. Right. So, so Friday is going to be to Kentucky Oaks where it's the three-year-old fillies that run. And, uh, and stupid question, I'm assuming that's why these best horses in the world aren't in the Kentucky Derby, because I'm assuming there's an age limit. Absolutely. absolutely. Yep. It's literally, you can only be a three-year-old, and that's the, that's really the only rule, because you can be a Philly, you can actually be a Philly and run in the Derby. Phillies have won the Derby. It's It's been a long time, right? Uh, winning Colors, I believe, was the last one to win it, and she won, uh, oof, I believe in the 90s. Again, I, I apologize. You can hold my glass. I still have my glass from the, the formal at Churchill Downs. Very cool. Well, you know, what's funny. I got, I got my glass in right there so I can look, but winning colors, I believe was the last Philly to win. And she was, um, uh, she was a front, a gate to wire winner when it won at wire to wire, which was cool. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was an uh, absolute mate, but seriously, like the bet, in my opinion, the best horse in training right now is, is a, is a, is a, they call it a mare, which is an older, uh, female horse. It's a horse named Monomoy girl, Monomoy girl. And she's uh, she's five years old now, so uh, and no, she would kick the Derby's ass if she was allowed to run in it. So <laughs> uh, that being said, I like a I like a fifty to one shot right now. Uh, it's a horse named Helium, okay. And actually, I just talked to uh, uh, Circus Sportsbook is actually my favorite sportsbook in Vegas because uh, they give you very fair odds. Uh, he's actually sixty to one at Circa right this second. Nice. Um, he's an undefeated Colt. Um, and the reason he's not getting a lot of respect is his prep race was the Tampa Bay Derby. 
And the Tampa Bay Derby just hasn't produced a lot of winners. And he's also very lightly raced. He's only, he's only run three races. So he's, he's won all three though. Um, three for three. Ban a thousand. That's all that matters. But he exactly. And no, and here's the thing. So he wins his first two races up, up in Canada. They thought this was going to be a turf horse. Cause if you look at his pedigree, his, his, his sire or his dad was an excellent turf horse. And, and his mom was, a, was a bit of a turf horse as well. Um, so they ran uh, not on turf. They ran on artificial dirt in Canada. And for whatever reason, artificial dirt translates to grass pretty reasonably, much better than artificial dirt to real dirt. I don't it's know. I don't really know like why. pellets or anything. It's like actual no, dirt. Like no, 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 no. So uh, <clears throat> the Kentucky Derby is on real dirt. Okay, this is sand. No, no, no. These the, the artificial dirt. Yeah, the artificial dirt's almost like rubber. Like think, yeah, think, yeah. Uh, think playground we, type. Think when we played for Campton, like indoor soccer. That's kind of what yeah, the little like it, it's up like that, pellets. but way more ground up. Okay, um, and and by the way, there's different artificial turfs. Uh, I apologize. Artificial uh, dirt tracks. They call it all weather tracks. Um, I hate them. Uh, supposedly, <laughs> not as pure horse racing. Pure. Well, well, by the way, we're from Chicago. Uh, this is what Arlington Park has. Arlington Park does not have a real dirt track. It has artificial dirt, which is a shame because we don't get the great dirt horses anymore. Secretariat, his I believe it was his second to last race was at Arlington Park. That's cool. And yeah. un- unfortunately, like he between because well, what what's the other one? Mel- Melrose Park. Uh, so the other one's Hawthorne. Um, and, and then there was Maywood, which unfortunately closed. <clears throat> that was a harness track. And, uh, then there's one in Fairmount, which is really Southern Illinois, close to St. Louis. So there's gotcha. three, there's three thoroughbred, thoroughbred tracks. <clears throat> um, but anyway, I like, I like this 50 to one shot helium. So he won his first two races, uh, in Canada as a two-year-old, by the way, he takes five months off Matt, and then he goes to Tampa Bay Derby. Okay. So think about it. He's going from basically to essentially Toronto all the way down to Tampa Bay <laughs> off a five month layoff. Uh, he'd never run on dirt before. He'd never run past a mile before it was a three-year-old debut. Top of all that he breaks almost dead last. He was 11th out of 12 horses. Okay. Well, wow. he goes five wide the entire race. Okay. So when I mean five wide, when they, uh, you have the just, rail for this out. Exactly. So when you have the rail, they count lengths of horses out from the rail. He was five horse lengths out from that rail. And that's means you're running a longer race. Yeah. Because in horse racing, you want to cut, you want to cover the least amount of ground possible because it gives you your best chance to run the race. Right. So imagine, so if you're running, if think of humans on a normal uh, track, uh, imagine having the inside lane, the entire way versus the outside lane. Right. Right. If you're covering so much less distance, it's so much easier to win the race. And horses are no different, okay? So the fact that he was able to go out wide the entire time, despite everything that was going against him, uh, and Matt, he, he flew by the field, and then the, and then the second favorite came, came to him and was looking to go right on by, right in the stretch, okay? And Helium just gives him one look and goes, not today, and just starts, do 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 Dude, it was aw- it's it's su- you got to watch the replay. I'm telling you, if you Google uh, Tampa Bay Derby, uh, I think this horse loves to this horse loves to run. He loves a fight. In his first race, he he got in a speed duel and was still able to hold on. Uh, and he's well bred, Matthew. He he's uh his damn side, the 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 female side. Her dad was Thunder Gulch, who won the Derby back in the '90s. So he's got a Derby winner on his damn side. 
He's got what a good distance and dirt pedigree on his father's side and, and turf pedigree, like I said. So um, how, how far back, like, do you, like, as like a, anybody who would be looking into getting into throwing any money at the, the Derby, how far back is reasonable to look like his great, great, great grandfather. I'm, I'm not sure has a huge or, or does it. So the, what the, what most people are looking for from the Derby standpoint is they're looking to find out whether or not you can get the distance. Cause that's the biggest unknown. Cause a mile and a quarter is so unnatural for, for most horses. You know, most horses are in that six furlong to, and again, a furlong is just a fancy word for a mile. And I apologize, just a fancy word for eighth of a mile. Right. So there's eight furlongs in a mile in horse racing. Um, so the Derby is, is a mile and a quarter. It's a very unnatural distance, especially for a horse that young. Cause the, the, they're young. Again, this is like a college basketball player playing, uh, you know, suddenly going to play a full NBA game against other studs. Um, and uh, playing for much longer than they're typically uh, playing. So it's when they're looking in their pedigree, I typically only go two generations back. I'll look at the sire and I'll look at the grandsire on on both sides. Um, And again, it's, you're guessing a little bit because. Literally you said with this horse, like he was bred to be a turf horse and he is showing well on dirt. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and it, and it happens more often than you think, man. I mean, uh, and, and great horses don't always become great sires. Um, but, uh, have you ever heard of the horse? Remember the horse, big Brown? Oh yeah. He, didn't he win two thirds of the, he did. He, he won, yeah. he won the Derby and the Preakness was an awesome horse. He hasn't been a great sire for whatever reason, you know, and, uh, actually a better example is American Pharaoh. Okay. Triple crown winner on the dirt, his best, all of his children are much better on the turf. No idea why. Like literally he, he's sired grade one winners on the turf. No grade one. Uh, I believe. And by the way, I believe he's sired a few graded stakes winners on the dirt, but not, not a ton compared to the turf. His turf horses are fire. So it's, so the sire game is not a science. It's, it's a bit of an art and you gotta, you just, but over time you figure that out. So if an American fair horse was coming into the Derby, I would actually question it. I actually would count that as a negative. Cause I think his, I think his horses are better on turf. I just, I, I absolutely think so. Well, and that's the nice part because anybody would see, oh, American Pharaoh horse and that horse is going to get bet down quite a bit. Exactly. And, and or in, to your point in, in Helium's case, people are seeing, oh, turf horse only raced three races. Is, so and maybe that might speak to their odds, which to your point, hopefully gives you a little bit more value. Exactly. You know, and, it, and it's, you know, he, his trainer's Mark Cassie. He, he his, for what Mark Cassie has been around a long time. He's a very conservative, good trainer. Um, but he doesn't get a lot of love at the betting windows when he goes up against, you know, the Bob Baffert's and the Todd Pletcher's and the Chad Brown's of the world. You know, he he's, he's, I don't want to call him second tier trainer because he's not a second tier trainer. He's just not one as many of these big, public races as his other, you know, his other brethren. Um, and, and that's really what it is, Matt, a lot, your, your owner connections and your trainer connections can mean a lot more for you than, than what your horse has done on paper. And I think that's gives you a lot of value. Honestly, I like that quite a bit. And especially I, I do find it interesting just, and I don't do a ton of just betting in general but sure i don't know anything about horse betting so like well, it, right, it let, interests me well, let's go hopefully... let's go to a let's go to a sports betting example right uh cowboys always over bet almost 99 of the time they are always over bet because they have a huge fan base they have a great history right and a huge pedigree 
in horse week in horse racing, we call it pedigree, right? Yep. If you got an impressive pedigree, you're going to get bet. Maybe a better example is college football. So the few years that Alabama is not quite up to snuff, right? They're a great yeah. team to bet against. Uh, Notre Dame's another great example. I, I feel like European soccer bet here is a great example because everybody sees Manchester United, everybody sees Bayern Munich, and, and and they know like what those brand name teams are. So exactly. And we have and when we have a guest on the show. Hi, we Walter. Got, we got my son Wally. Hello. Say hi, Wally. We'll hear him in a minute. We'll hear him oh. in a minute. No, but I'm with you, man. Soccer is very. Good. A very close example. And uh, I encourage anyone, e- even if you're not into horse racing, watch, watch Derby. the Derby. Well, and watch Derby Day. Like, I-, I would say the last five to six races leading up to Derby are fan- like <coughs> are fantastic races. Well, and, and honestly, an example I like for that is the, the Masters. And I think most people, I think a lot of casual fans treat the, the golf and tennis and horse racing kind of all together. Like, I don't think anybody would, yeah. would sit down on a random Saturday and turn on the horse racing channel and just watch right. whatever's on. Although I but, do. Like, yeah. <laughs> but but, yeah. but that, that's why you're the expert. But not too many people would turn on a random, uh, the, the fifth major traveler's championship. But um, people, everybody's going to watch the Masters. Everybody's yeah. going to watch Wimbledon. So you, you stick around for the majors, and in this case for horse racing, yeah. everybody's going to watch the Triple Crown. No, and from a betting standpoint, the Derby's amazing as well because you get a lot of, uh, I'll call it dumb money in the Derby that you don't typically get in other races because you'll get the wife that loves the number seven, and you just bet the seven <laughs> horse even if he has no chance, right? You get you – get we call it uh, – in horse racing, we call it dead money. Um <laughs> A, a few years ago, the best uh, best example is probably a horse named Patch. I don't know if you remember Patch, but no. he's a one he was a one eyed horse. Really cool story. Had, had just gotten enough qualifying points to win the Derby, but he had really no shot to win. Um, but he was a cool story. He was a one eyed horse, and and everybody and their brother bet him down. And it, there was a lot of dead money in that pool uh, that propped up the horses that really did have a chance of winning. So there's a lot you want to look for that story in the Derby. Um, unfortunately, there's really not this year. A couple years ago, there was a horse that Gronk owned, and then they named him Gronkowski. Um, that was another horse where, like, he just got he just got bet because that was his thing. Um, there was another did, horse. Did, did Nadal make it? N- Nadal did, did not make it. Nadal, oh. yeah, Nadal got hurt. Unfortunately, Nadal's retired. He's already at stud. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, yeah, wait, sp- speaking of that, what, what was the horse that um, on your on your other podcast the circuit guy said he would get his ass kicked if if he won? Oh, that was uh, that was a horse named Bezos. <laughs> is he in it? Uh, not even gonna make the starting gate. Uh, wow! Didn't I? He is yet to win a race. All right, your your boy from Circa lives to fight another day at his. Yeah, job. Circa lives to fight <laughs> another day, man. It, it was um, it was just a fun. Uh, it was fun talking to him because it is because it. And by by the way, Bezos was a first time starter. Um, they they had bet him down to ten to one before he had started a race. It's one of those things where Justify has absolutely warped people's brains about what's normal. What Justify did was incredible. He had not started once as a two-year-old, and he ran three races, won them all, and then went to the Derby and won the Triple Crown. I mean, it, it was it's never been done before. It may never be done again. Right, Wally? I know, you can't believe it either. So the problem okay. is it's now they thought Bezos was going to be the next Justify, and there's you get a Justify once in a decade. I mean, it's, 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 it's rare. Right. It's very rare. Um, so what, what I do want to go to, so 
since um, since hopefully we we can get a little bit more in depth on uh, do a full uh, Kentucky Derby. Yeah, we'll do full uh, Derby next for, week for, for the, sure. But the one thing I do want to touch on because we probably won't have time for next in next week's episode. Um, how many times have you been to the Kentucky Derby now, Michael? Been uh, five times since 2016. Okay. So obviously, part of it is just part of the Kentucky Derby is the experience, which you say is the one of the best times you ever you've ever had. Do you have one great um, slash appropriate story to to share with the fans about just kind of j- describing just the experience of it? Oh man, Derby. Well, here's the thing with Derby is like every time I've gone, it's absolutely poured raining. And despite that, we've had an absolute blast. Um, trying to think of one story. I remember, I remember telling uh, a guy. I was just on a bachelor party with my friend uh, Brendan Zieg, and uh, I remember he was he was a bookmaker at the time, and everybody wanted to bet Nyquist, and he goes, "Vale, what should I do?" And I go, "Again, this is 2016." I go, "Listen, like takeout in the wind pool is about 20 percent, and they're booking with you at." 20%. You have a huge advantage. Just take all the Nyquist action you can get. Cause I didn't like Nyquist that year. Well, Nyquist was the Derby <laughs> and, and Zeke probably at the time loses $700 or something like that. And at the time that, you know, that was a lot of money. And uh, he's like, what the, what, the, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. You still made a good, listen, you still made a good bet. He was basically betting the field versus Nyquist. And by the way, after the Derby, uh, I, Nyquist didn't win another race. Wow. Because he didn't win the Belmont. He lost to Exaggerator. And then I don't even think he raced in the Belmont. I'd actually have to look that up. Or, or lost the Preakness and didn't I think race he lost the, the Preakness and then was done. I'll have to look that up. Um, um, because, because, because look, Nyquist was a very good two-year-old. He just, I just didn't think he was that much. No, actually, he raced quite a few more times after that. Um, sorry. He raced. Sorry, I'm looking on cat. My wife's computer is a little different. <laughs> Uh, he raced three times after that. So yeah, he got third in the Preakness, uh, fourth in the Haskell Stakes, and then he got sixth in the Pennsylvania Derby. So he raced three more times and never won again. So he didn't get even close to winning. He didn't even get second again. So so my point was, like, he didn't make a horrible bet. He just, you know, that day, it's just, it didn't work out for him. But yeah, that was, that was it was just funny. Because I'm like, no, the, listen, Nyquist could win, but like, Nyquist was like two to one that day. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, he, he's not that, and I was proven right. He wasn't, he wasn't amazing. Wasn't a not was not an all time horse, but he's he won the Derby and you know, you know once you won the Derby you're immortal. Absolutely, nobody will forget his name. Nobody will forget his name. I mean, and he and by the way, it was funny too because Nyquist at the time was a Detroit what he was named after the player that plays for the. Okay, I was gonna say that that was kind of what I was. And Zeke's a hockey player. Loved Nyquist. He also was a huge Red Wings fan. Loved Nyquist at the time. And I'm like, I wouldn't bet Nyquist, and he gets his butt kicked on Nyquist. So. And that was my first year going to the Derby. <laughs> my oh. other favorite story I can't—I probably won't tell on the air, but uh, okay, involves my um, wife for for, for another <laughs> for another yeah. time. Yeah, for, involves um, my wife and the police. So, yeah. okay, definitely have to hear it after this. Oh, yeah. But um, all right, let let's switch gears a little bit. Um, uh, first, I I wanted to touch on uh the Blackhawks and specifically their miraculous win over Nashville the other night. Yeah. And honestly, it's we're, we're not going to win the cup this year. We will be lucky to make the not playoffs. Even make the playoffs. But if we make the playoffs, it'll almost single handedly be because of this game. Listen, it's it's a weird thing, Matt, because I can't tell if it's a season changer or not. It certainly felt like it. I mean, four unanswered goals in the 
from halfway through the third period on. Well, it was three, right? It was, it was uh, well, three to tie and then the oh, overtime fair, winner. Fair enough. Fair enough. But it, it was, look, man, every season needs wins like this. And I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. We're 18th out of, cause it, it's, it's the entire field is one, one entity, right? It's the top 16 teams in the entire league make it. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like it, but the Hawks are above 500, 22, 20 and five. I mean, that's, again, I know it's kind of bottom, it's the bottom of the division, but we are not incredibly far out from, we have a minus 14 goal differential and we're still above 500. That's, that's unheard of. Yeah. Well, and, um, it's, it, it's, it's been a little tough. Like obviously we've been banged up and, um, just lo- losing some of the, the, the core of, of the dynasty with C- Seabrook retiring. T- Taze is still still mysterious injury. Dude, it, it, the we, Taze news, because I'm wearing a Taze jersey as we record this, I, it, it's, it's, it's a conspiracy of silence, don't you think? Yeah. but it, or, or in history, they call it a conspiracy of the sources. It's almost like people know what it is but won't tell us. But it's, it's not COVID because it, it would almost certainly come out. But that's, kind, obviously that's kind of what they're that's kind of what they're claiming it is. We know we know he had COVID or at least lung issues. And and that's it. I mean, and by the way, he was at a public appearance somewhat recently. He did not look good. Like yeah, he so I'm, I'm hoping that's something that doesn't keep him out long term. But well, I'm worried th- it, thankfully I'm we worried got it's cur- something like like not to drop the cancer bomb, but I'm hoping it's something not like that, you know, because it, it yeah, he that, looked, that's why I like, keep him out of hockey like forever and that and that would be a really sad way to it would because he's i mean i mean matt he's changed our lives i mean quite literally yeah i, I my life would not be the same without jonathan taste he's Absolutely. brought me so much joy um and it yeah i just hope to see him back and in, in, in any capacity whatsoever what, what would you say is num- number one taste moment just top top of your head what's well, funny because for, for me the, the the problem is like a lot of Blackhawks have their moments like Duncan Keith, like get getting his like teeth knocked out against San Jose and then yeah. coming back in, but Buffalo and so many big goals in that first run. Kane has a million of them. Seabrook, the, the Detroit game seven winner, bowl okay. into the, the 17 seconds. See, see, by the way, Seabrook has the most important goal in Hawks history. It's not close. Um, Actually beg, beg to differ. The most important goal in Blackhawks history might be, the, the game we were at, Pat, Patrick Kane scoring that goal with 13 seconds to force it's, overtime. It's, 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 one, it's one of those two. But here's the thing. The Hawks dynasty would not be the same without 2013. It, that, was, it, that was the favorite of the runs by a landslide. That, that's the thing. is it, like If you had to ask me what my favorite cup was, it's 100% 2013, and I don't think it's close. Yeah. And we well, don't cause, get... cause that's, well, that's the, the wild like, – because we had a shit ton of um, – shit ton of stuff with the wild build some crazy overtime goals there coming back three to one and winning game seven the way we we did with um uh, it wasn't Hansus who jalmerson jalmerson scores that that goal with two minutes that Uh, gets waved off still cannot imagine i i literally it's so funny i didn't realize how much i wanted that game until they called that goal off i was i'm still not over it and the only reason i'm over it a little bit is because seeps gets that goal Absolutely. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I get what you're saying is that Taze really doesn't have a historical moment that you really remember. But here's the thing with Taze. But there's a reason he's the captain and he, he holds the team together because, again, he's Taze's our, your best he's our player. Rock. He's our rock. 
he's he is the common denominator that is always there to to get the goals we need, to get the passes we need, to get everybody ready. Think about how much Patrick Kane has grown as just a man, as just a as a responsible, uh, mature person. I don't think not he, blowing off taxi cab drivers in Buffalo. I, <laughs> seriously though, I don't think he gets like that without tapes. No, because because Kane has been our best player for this whole run, and and he's never been the captain. And there's no. a reason for that. And to be honest, Kane will probably be the captain fairly soon. Um. And I don't think that is in short part. Um, it, it's I, I really give Taze a lot of credit. I really do. And I it just and you're right. I, I got to think of what my favorite Taze moment is. And it's it's really just it's just being our rock, man. It's being our rock for so many years. My favorite Taze moment is like winning every face off he fucking got, got into. Absolutely. We have zero guys that are good at face offs other than Jonathan Taze. It's unreal. Well, he got to the point where he was at least over sixty percent for for that five year stretch, and and it, it only was sixty percent. But you were genuinely surprised if he didn't win the face. No, Matt, I would love to know what his face off percentage was on the power play. I swear to God, he never lost one on the power play. Like it, it was, it would always go back to Duncan Keith on the left end, and he'd pass it off to Siebes, and then we'd be ready to go. I mean. He was high leverage, and it, and by the way, he was so much better in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. Both him and Kane, but particularly Taze. Agreed, and 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 that just kind of le- leads back. Um, that just leads back to the point where, again, selfishly from a hockey fan's perspective, like we we would love to see him play. He's a valuable member of the team, but again, especially if it's something. We won't say we won't say cancer, but again, if it's something serious that would like jeopardize his life or just his livability, sure, he, that would be very very sad. No, I look, it's it's, and the only reason I bring it, it it's it's just weird. It's we and, and hockey never discloses injuries. He's clearly not injured. He's sick. I, I just don't know what it is. Um, but yeah, hope to hope to see him soon. So the, look, the Hawks. I, I'm not giving up on them yet. Look, it, it's they're not too far out of the playoff hunt. It's just, I know we're not, it's kind of like the Cubs. I know we're not good, but we're, our record isn't as playoff bad. Playoff hockey is better than no playoff hockey. Exactly. Well, and, and just, again, be like last year. We, we, surprised, we surprised we made it into the playoffs. Th- thank you expanding it to 13 teams to include us for some reason. Well, look, man, look, what was the worst playoff loss we ever had? In my opinion, it's 2014 against the Kings. When we, when we come back in game seven. Most, most defeating? That was my... That was my most defeating loss. Unless you count the Canucks um, in 09. Can, well, Canucks in 11 in the in the first round. Because remember, we lose in overtime in game seven. Yeah, that's right. Because actually, I, I think we were down like three zip or something in that no, series. No, because you're two. thinking – I think we yeah, were – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we, we were down 3-0, I think. Well, we were down, I believe, 3-1 to the Kings in 2014, and we get it to a game seven, and we lose in overtime to the goofiest-ass trickle, trickle goal that goes right above the – Yeah, I, I remember that. My only point for bringing it up, they were an eight seed. Kings were an eight seed that year. So yeah. if, you, if you get into the playoffs, especially in hockey, anything, anything can happen. So I'm, I'm just rooting for the Hawks to squeeze in. Maybe Taze comes back. And by the way, Hawks still have had been injured most of the season. So we get, if we get our get our got Kirby back, Doc back. Get Doc back. Make sure Debrink gets healthy. You know, get – Debrink has looked good. Kane has almost 60 points. No, and Lankinen gets hot. You never know, right? I mean, it just – it could happen. It really could. Subin pitches another shutout. Dude, man. 
Subin Subin is the the definition of feast or famine. Yeah, five or zero. That's it is literally five goals or or a shutout. Unfortunately, it's five goals more often. But <laughs> yeah, but hey, listen, if maybe maybe he can get his brother to to help him out. So okay, so so quick touch on the Bulls, um, and then one other special topic, and then uh, we'll get out of here in the next couple minutes. But Bulls, you just make me sad. We have such an easy winnable conference to just make the playoffs and it's an expanded playoffs and we're still probably going to miss it Dude, we're 10 it, games, it is we're just 10 games under 500 it is just depressing as hell and i i wish sports should just adopt your rule where it of if you're not over 500 you don't deserve to be in the playoffs even if that's only six teams yeah no but, seriously i i you that should be a prerequisite so if you're not over 500 you, you get to allow somebody from the other conference to take your place, period. And, and I, I don't want to, like, go into too big a rant on this, but I actually will flip the script on it. So <laughs> it's depressing as hell and just insanely disappointing that we're not going to make the playoffs in such a winnable year. But Kobe White's the real deal at point guard. He's going to be a stud. Honestly, Zach Levine is turning into a superstar, or and his injury has is, is been very impactful. So, well, that's a, yeah. The, and um, and well, honestly, and our, our acquisitions that, have been good. Vuvicek has been absolutely dynamite. I was never a huge Wendell Carter Jr. fan. No, and turning Wendell Carter into freaking Vuvicek. Vuvicek, yeah. I'm all on board. And that's what bothers me more, Matt. Is I actually think we've improved quite a bit, and we still can't win. Yeah, but but again, we're we're young as hell. Hopefully, Patrick Williams keeps improving. I still I'm still a marketing believer. Le- Levine just continues to hopefully play some defense. And continue to score and work on his passing a little bit more. Or Kobe White's going to continue to progress. Right. Um, you, you got a lot of very good pieces there, and and honestly, it's pro- in the long run, it's probably better that we're not doing as well. Hopefully, get one more good draft pick this year, and um, act, actually become a regular playoff conversation team. Because I mean, most most Bulls fans will never expect the Jordan years again, but. Can we just go back to the Derrick Rose years where we're at least making the playoffs every year and yeah. then occasionally make a run or two? Again, just be the Pacers. That's that's all that's all we need. Pacers are low key, maybe the best run organization in sports. With so little money, they've had so much success, it's, it's unreal. And that's I know so they've true. never they've never won the big one. Let me put it this way: who gave LeBron the biggest run for his money in his career? I'd say the Pacers. Yeah. The Paul, the, Paul, the Paul George Pacers literally almost derailed the super team in Miami. It took them seven games. Well, some of the Boston teams, obviously. Um, I don't think they took it. I don't know if the Boston teams took them to seven games. I'm pretty sure one of the Isaiah Thomas teams did. But anyway, yeah, pa- Pacers would be up there for sure. Yeah. And by the way, they did it multiple years. They did it one year with Paul George and I believe they did it one year without him. I had to, I have to look back at that. But. I think they did that that year. He had that really scary leg injury. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause they had, they had Hibbert. They had, um, they, I don't think they had Oladipo at that point, but man, they, they just I think keep he might've been, but no, Lance Stevenson's the one I remember. Cause that was the yeah. one him blowing that year and all those amazing memes. It was unreal. I forgot about him blowing in the air. That was so great. Yeah. All right, man, um, finish up the show. Let's get some Bible okay. talk. So, um, Again, I don't want to end every show with a rant. I think it's funny sometimes, but um, I, I think we either go rant or random recognition. And you could say horse racing might fit into that category, 
but I did want to give a shout out to the NCAA women's volleyball. And um, so for almost all of you that probably don't know, uh, the women's volleyball tournament's going on right now. It's currently in the final four, um, but it's in a bubble in Omaha and I'm currently living there. So um, the, the story goes back to actually high school. Um, that was our sport in high school. Uh, legendary coach, shout out Peg Kopeck. Um, but she, she was amazing in the Illinois Volleyball Coaches Hall of Fame, won the title four straight years, um, has the court name after the high school. So um, gr- growing up, uh, volleyball was – I always loved watching it, but haven't gone to a game in forever and uh, got to actually see um, the two of the Elite Eight games, including Purdue. Unfortunately, Purdue got swept, but um, it just kind of wanted to, to bring to mind that it, it's – it's a great sport to watch, especially just like t- teamwork and like it's it's got enough excitement between just awesome spikes, great great blocks, just like so, some of the defensive plays Kentucky made and like like how the hell did she get to that? Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it, it's it's well, very underrated. Well, the other thing you got to mention too is we came from a high school where women's volleyball was the sport. Yeah, and and, and that's and that's where my where I started liking it but the other thing I kind of wanted to kind of circle that back in with is just the importance of sports just in general one that was the first live sporting event I've been to since since COVID started and just so nice to to be back and see good competitive sport but then just in general it doesn't matter if it's I love football I love basketball I love hockey but any high level like a good competitive sport is entertaining as hell and I love to watch it. And if anybody's going to play at that competitive level at any sport or I will enjoy watching it. Exactly. Exactly. So what, what, what did you see when you went pretty play? Uh, they, they played Kentucky in the elite eight. Um, they uh, almost won the first game or almost won the first set. Uh, they ended up losing 25 to 23. Um, but we were leading pretty much the entire set. And then it just kind of slowly, Kentucky was the number two team in the country. They only lost, one game all year they're arguably arguably the best team in the country because wisconsin's the number one seed uh but they had only played i believe 13 games coming into the tournament because of uh, a bunch of COVID issues with their own team and other opponents team scheduling Mm -hmm. so i mean kentucky was like 30 and one or something ridiculous so um they they were the better team but uh purdue had never made a final four before so that would have been cool to see them if if they had made it no, it's, it, it's, but it's the, it's, you forget how fun it is watching competitive sports with people that, that are so into it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's what, it's what we love about March Madness. It, it is the amateurism, amateurism is something in sports that you can't really quantify, but it, it there's something so awesome about it, you know, cause it's not for the money. It's not for sponsorship it's not for uh it's just for the pure love of the game and and women's college volleyball has got to fit that bill because how many of these are going to be pro or even go to the olympics no they're not going to olympics maybe less than a handful out of the entire tournament these are badass bitches that just want to win it all (laughs) and they're going to they're going to i mean it is again and i we we had a lot of badass bitches at francis man and in fact, a couple and a couple of them did play for the uh, the Olympic teams. So. And f- funny enough, w- Wisconsin, like I said, is the one seed. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I walked in on the Wisconsin Florida Elite Eight match, and um, 
the the PA announcer goes now now serving uh, for Wisconsin Molly Haggerty and I was like I know that name and I had to look it up to double check but yep sure enough St. Francis Spartan her no, and her it, two older sisters that's both, awesome man. both went there honestly uh, I, like, I would refer to Wisconsin just based on that I don't think people realize how big volleyball women and female is in is in the Midwest in general it's a huge sport so the, so the Big Ten just just for grins I believe they had six out of the top thirteen teams. Wisconsin was the one seed. Minnesota was the three seed. Purdue was the seven seed. Nebraska was the five seed. Penn State was top 12. And I think there might have been one more. But that, not even, like, there was only 16 seeds, and the Big Ten had at least five or six of them. It, it's, I don't, it doesn't surprise me one bit. It really doesn't because it is uh, people that aren't from here just don't. It, it's just one of those things where you just don't realize it's a big sport. It's like other states where hockey's a big sport. It's like going to Minnesota. You lived in Minnesota for a long time. So I, hockey I, is insane in Minnesota. All, all you need to know about hockey is uh, a lot of you probably missed uh, the Frozen Four just happened around the same time as March Madness. Three out of the four March Madness or four, three of the four Frozen Four teams were all from Minnesota. So who was it? Uh, St. Cloud? So, uh, Minnesota so Saint, Duluth? Yep. Um, Minnesota State, Mankato, and University of Massachusetts. So oh. one of these things is not like the others. But unfortunately, who won it? Do you know? Massachusetts. <laughs> Dude, poor Minnesota, man. They do because they always make it. You know what's funny? Because they always make it. Well, Duluth but, had won three years in a row. But other than du- but other than Duluth, I don't think St. Clouds won it in a while. And and UM they have never the they have never won it. Um, Minnesota State never won it either. What about uh, University of Minnesota? When's the last time they won it? Um, I, oh, wow. I looked it up. Okay, by the way, surprisingly, um, I, I didn't realize how far back college hockey goes, but um, University of Michigan has won like nine titles. No, Michigan's been amazing. Uh, bo- both Boston schools have been amazing, Col- Boston College and you. Yeah. Uh, uh, college I mean, hockey's look, awesome. Well, if you, look at the, if you look at the Miracle on Ice team, most of them are Boston U, Boston College, Michigan. Minnesota. Minnesota. Well, because Herb her Brooks, her Brooks was coach of Minnesota. And then he That's had right. a lot of uh, he had a lot of players from UMD, Boston, and uh, BC. I think. Well, that was part of that's part of the that's part of the movie and part of real life too, where he picked yeah a the lot Boston of versus Minnesota rivalry. He picked a lot of players that weren't on his team that were his arch rivals, but he goes, "I, I want to win, and I know where the badasses are at." So and, and great movie, great. Movie. Honestly, great I, movie. I think on a miracle reference might be a good place to end this thing. It would. It would. So uh, next next week, let's talk some Kentucky Derby. We'll talk some Derby. Uh, we, we'll give you some. Picks. We have to talk on some uh, NFL draft action. Hopefully, the Bears don't disappoint us. They will, but you know what? Ryan Pace will be gone after. God willing, will be gone after this year, and we'll we'll take care of it then. All righty. Godspeed, everybody. Love you all. Thank you for listening, Matt. I love you, and we'll uh, see you. We'll see you next week. Love you too. Bye, everybody.